What is up, guys? Coach Cheryl here with Fit Body Secrets, where my mission is to bring you guys inspiration, education, and a ton of training tips to help you on your fitness journey. And man, I am looking at myself right now. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you're looking at me too. I very rarely have my hair done or actually have makeup on. And I don't know. Today I was just feeling it. And I feel like I'm actually happy that I did because it's sometimes always rewarding when you're like, oh, I actually don't look so like a hot mess today. <laughs> but just simply in my life, I'm usually coming in between training sessions and stuff like that. Um, and just honestly, for me, I've, I've honestly been training on Sundays lately. And, you know, this past week, I kind of did some reflection in my own personal life and my goals and everything like that. And I just recognized that I wasn't really giving myself a day to just do nothing or to do whatever felt good. Uh, and that's, you know, I had Sundays like that for a long time, but honestly, I'm just an overachiever and I like working so much that I was finding that my work was kind of taking over my training. So to kind of offset that, I'm like, well, I'm just going to start training on the weekends. And, uh, and well, that's kind of just basically put a whole, you know, another barrier in my personal life. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think that working five days a week, including my training on a sixth day should be plenty of time to get my work done and my training done and still be able to allow myself a little bit of time for fun. Uh, and here I am actually podcasting on a Sunday, but the cool fun thing is, is I did my hair today and I'm happy with that. So, um, you know, I'm going to go see my brother later on. So just a little bit of a tip for you guys out there is like, sometimes it's not about like trying to carve out more time in other areas. Sometimes it's just kind of auditing your, your time, which this is not the topic of today's episode, but I just thought about it. And, you know, sometimes it's not looking at like, where do I, you know, add extra work in It's sometimes looking at the work that you're already doing and seeing where can I pull back a little bit? And, you know, for me, there's a lot of things that I'm going to be changing up soon. And, and it's just, you know, knowing that I will have some time back is going to be helpful for me. So I would rather do less better right now than do too much. So uh, at the end of the day, you got to make yourself happy, right? So a um, little bit of a tangent today, but just kind of got thinking about it. And hopefully that was relevant for some of you guys out there. Because I know if you're like me, you're listening to this podcast, you probably are somewhat of an overachiever in your life or somewhat goal oriented. And then I know it's hard to like, not want to always be doing more, 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 but it doesn't always get you the results that you want. Sometimes it just gets you burned out. So um, anyways, today's episode has nothing to do with burnout, has nothing to do with putting makeup on or doing my hair has everything to do with some pretty significant myths. I will actually really more like questions I get uh, in regards to meal timing. And I wanted to just kind of break those things down. Now I'm going to be honest, there is, I could have went and listed like 10 to 15 different things, but I really wanted to cover the ones that I feel like come up the most often um, and the ones that people end up applying most often, which can end up being actually detrimental to your results. Um, so today's all about meal timing, uh, you know, food timing, meal timing, fasting, not fasting, all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure that along each of these little, these little, uh, myths that I'm actually going to be talking about today that you will probably find that I go off on a tangent that might obviously answer another one of your questions about meal timing. So hopefully this episode is relevant to you. If you do get any value out of this episode or any of my episodes, please shoot me a DM. Let me know that you're listening. I, I love doing this. I love helping and Honestly, before I came on here, I was listening to other podcasts and, and just, you know, absorbing some content, some, some really, really, really interesting content. Um, if you guys are familiar with, you probably aren't, but if you are, Andy Galpin is a really, really, really knowledgeable scientist, but uh, in the training world, he's really knowledgeable in um, honestly developing strength and hypertrophy. And I was listening to one of his really cool podcast episodes on like muscle fiber types and stuff like that, but just things that I geek out about. So 
Um, I love learning about the human body and I also love helping you guys learn more about the human body, but keep it simple so that you guys can actually apply it in your day to day. So let's get rolling on some meal timing myths. And I'm going to just pull my show notes up here, which I probably should get a printer and <laughs> make it easier for myself. But honestly, it's just easier not to look at myself while I'm talking. So, um, anyway, so, so meal timing questions about what I should be eating, what, uh, even um, meal frequency, um, meal like components of timing the meal, the components of your meal. There are so many like stupid little like myths out there that people will buy into and think that they need to apply them. I've had people talk to me about how they were told that they can't have like protein and veggies at the same meal, or they shouldn't have protein and carbs at the same meal, like all these crazy things. So, you know, when it comes down to it all, guys, what I want you guys to understand first and foremost about meal timing is that... <laughs> Everything you eat has to be digested. And some things do get digested faster than mm -hmm. others, but it still has to get digested. So two pieces of that is one, meal timing matters, but not that much because at the end of the day, all your food still has to be broken down. Um, and number two is that most people focus so much on the meal timing, what it really comes down to is understanding the overall, how much food you're taking in, what the components of that food are that you're taking in. That matters most because whether you get it all in one meal or 10 meals, your body's got the same contents in it, right? So it's really important to understand that if you are questioning things like meal timing, fasting, all of these different things, that you're looking at what's actually going in the gas tank and the amount of it that's going in the gas tank, aka gas tank being your belly, which is what's going to give you energy for your day-to-day -day and all that good stuff. So by the way, if you also didn't notice, I now have a lid on my coffee mug because <laughs> I'm not going to make the same mistake I did last time and let my cat jump up on my counter and then destroy my new computer. So let's get rolling into my first myth. It is you have to eat every few hours to quote unquote rev your metabolism or on the vice skipping meals slows your metabolism and this is a big one i mean this is one that even i remember when i first started fitnessing like i was like oh my god i have to eat every two hours or i'm like gonna slow down my metabolism and i was like super super like focused on that but the truth is there's no truth to this metabolic adaptations take a lot of time it doesn't happen in a day it doesn't happen in a week it doesn't even it slowly maybe minimally will happen after the course of like a month, but it takes time. And honestly, it's, it's something that you really shouldn't really be focusing on because at the end of the day, the more important thing is how do you feel when you haven't eaten for a long term, like a long time? Do you feel good? Do you feel energetic? Okay. So number one with this, this whole, you, uh, you have to eat every few hours to regular metabolism, skipping those slows it. Metabolic adaptations take time. So basically what metabolic adaptations are, just to kind of make sure I explain what I'm meaning when I'm saying that is when it comes to change in your metabolic rate, that's going to change based on how much lean muscle tissue you have, the type of food you're eating, um, the amount of activity you do, uh, but your basal metabolic rate only really changes by how much tissue you have. So how much muscle you have, how much fat you have, um, along with, you know, over time, the adaptation that can happen when you are in a calorie deficit, you will see that your metabolism starts to downregulate a little bit to make up for the lack of energy. So rather than, so for instance, when you first start in a calorie deficit, you're likely somewhat hungry. You're likely like, man, I'm hungry. You first drop calories. After a couple of days, maybe even a week or so, you start to like get used to it. You're like, I'm kind of used to it. 
your body is now adapted to that. And you're now you're like, your body's getting signals. It's, it's starting to be a little bit smarter with how it's spending that energy. So what happens is, is rather than knowing that you're forcing it to be underfed, your body is then going to slow down things to make sure that it's not burning as many calories. So those adaptations don't happen overnight though. You know, there's, there are a few things that can obviously increase your caloric expenditure, but what matters most is honestly, like I said, your mm -hmm. overall diet. So when it comes to eating every couple of hours and skipping meals, slowing your metabolism, you have to think about, well, how to optimize your metabolic function. One is you should be getting in enough protein. You should be getting in a lot of high quality thermo thermo thermic thermogenic food. So like a lot of, um, vegetables, fruits, fibrous veggies, fibrous carbs, things like that are going to help increase that along with enough water intake. Those are all the things that are going to really help boost caloric expenditure. Um, but when it comes to like metabolic function, not eating every couple of hours does nothing to your metabolic function. Now, what you might find is hunger cues start to come into play. And the more active you are, the more energy you're burning, that's your body's way of saying, Hey, I need energy. Like that might happen if you start to get sluggish or body saying, Oh my God, I don't have enough energy. Um, so this is such a huge myth. And what I will tell you is this, it is mostly optimal to eat every few hours, just because I think that it, it kind of makes you feel good. And when I say every few hours, that could be for some people, you know, every four to six hours, you know, for some, it might be every two to three hours. Everybody's a little bit different. It really depends on your lifestyle, but what really matters most is what you're going to be consistent with and what's going to make you feel your best. Often, you know, the other thing that people run into is like their training time is going to affect, you know, their amount of time to eat their, their work schedule. So what matters most is consistency because that's what you're likely going to be able to maintain, obviously the most structure in your diet to get you the results that you want. So don't stress too much about the meal timing, mostly focus on what feels best to you. All right. This is another, uh, the second one's a good one is I get this all the time. I was told that I shouldn't eat like after 6 PM or I shouldn't eat before I go to bed mm -hmm. and taking a sip of my coffee right now. <laughs> As I spill it on me, my comfortable, my comfortable mm -hmm. self-talk with coach Cheryl is also drinking coffee. Um, but the other thing you'll get is you shouldn't eat before bed or, you know, eating after 6 PM is bad because your body's going to store that. And this is just like this old myth that people believe that because we're sleeping, we're not burning calories. So we don't, you know, need energy before bed. Once again, as I mentioned in the beginning, the overarching reminder is that food still has to be digested. So there's two parts of this myth that I want you guys to understand is because food has to be digested. If you are eating a ton of things that are high in fiber, high in veggies, very heavy meals, that require a ton of breakdown, you might have sleep disturbances, um, but it's not going to necessarily cause you to store body fat. Your body is actually working. So, um, you know, you'll hear people that get something called the quote unquote meat sweats after having a really high protein dinner and going to bed because their body is, their metabolism is like breaking down that protein. So it can affect your sleep. Um, and, but also vice versa, some people that don't get enough energy in before bed actually a disrupted sleep from their blood sugar. You know, they, they kind of go a little hypoglycemic midnight. Mm -hmm. So, um, I actually think that a small snack before bed is best for most people somewhere in the, like, depending on how much your caloric intake is throughout the whole day, but anywhere from like 150 calories to 300 calories, depending on the person. Um, and somewhere in between like that, like 90 to two hours before bed is totally fine. It's usually also natural that after dinner, before we go to bed, we kind of want something a little, you know, as a snack. And that's totally part of the plan. You should be able to fit something mm -hmm. in then. 
Uh, but the whole myth about storing fat before bed is, or if you eat before bed is, is totally wrong. Now you'll also get this. You'll hear people say that, well, I cut out my nighttime eating and I lost weight. So the correlation is because they cut out nighttime eating that suddenly that's why they lost weight. When the truth is they didn't lose weight because they cut out nighttime eating. They lost weight because they likely cut out a huge source of calories because likely they weren't snacking on chicken and broccoli before bed. Most people that when they're eating at night, they're, you know, eating desserts or eating cookies or eating pies or eating candy. They're watching movies. They're indulging a little bit. So that's usually why they're going to see a drop in their weight or an improvement in their body compositions because they're cutting out a large source of calories. So don't stress too much about the timing. If you're hungry before bed, eat. If you notice it's disrupting your sleep, then maybe you're changing what you're eating before bed, or maybe you're eating a little bit earlier. But I always say this, our body will digest calories the same way, whether it's 7 p.m. or 7 a.m. In fact, it might digest them a little bit better at 7 p.m. because when you're not doing other things, your body is only focusing on the digestion. So, I mean, I, I'm sure that some of you guys can relate to nobody likes to eat a whole heavy meal and then go do burpees. Your body's got this whole bunch of food that's not digested in the belly. And now you're trying to jump around and do burpees. Doesn't make you feel the best, right? Uh, myth number three actually kind of piggybacks on to myth number two, which it's, it's talking a lot about the intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating or any of these types of things. Um, people claim that this boosts your metabolism or, or helps you tap into more body fat and neither in which these cases are true. So number one mm -hmm. is going, just like I said, with the, mm -hmm. the nighttime eating is, you know, the time of day you eat doesn't change, you know, how many calories you're burning or storing. That's not what happens. It's overall caloric expenditure from day to day. And more so importantly, week to week that matters most for actually putting on body fat or losing body fat. So don't get hung up and intermittent fasting being a protocol for fat loss. Now, what it can do, once again, just like nighttime eating, is that by restricting your caloric intake to a small window, you are going to likely in or decrease the amount of calories you're going to be able to take in because it's a lot harder to overeat when you have a small window to eat in. So that's the, the main thing with that. Now, when it comes to um, boosting your metabolic rate or burning more stored body fat, um, I love talking about this. And Lane Norton is a professional who does an amazing job of breaking down this whole like fat versus carbs, fat versus fat, fat versus carb burning, you know, myth. And, and it's this, as simple as this, whether your body is burning carbs or fat doesn't matter. And your body's not going to burn stored fat just because it's fasted. Um, your body is going to always burn glycogen first and foremost, because that's your body's preferred source of energy. Now, you know, with intermittent fasting, if you've got plenty of calories stored, your body is still going to burn through those calories first before it burns any type of stored fat. So the calorie deficit is what you guys need to create, not necessarily when you're eating those calories. So if you're not losing weight and you're doing intermittent fasting, it's because you're likely eating too many calories in that window, which some people can, I could easily eat too many calories in an intermittent fasting window, but I like to eat. So why I like to do CrossFit. So, but don't get hung up on the whole intermittent fasting being a way to boost metabolism, burning more stored body fat. It comes down to caloric expenditure, caloric intake. And there are a lot of intricacies with that guys. I, I definitely don't want people to think that it's just as simple as cutting calories or moving more. It's, it's definitely, there's more factors that go into it, but we always want to cover all the nuggets. And, and so that's the main thing that I want you guys to understand there. All right. Um, and this is number four. The fourth one that I wrote on here is, um, we should eat frequently to prevent blood sugar crashes. Um, and this is a big, and honestly, this is big, even mm -hmm. with like people with the, you know, carb craze too, as people start to avoid carbs, which is a whole other tangent, but 
not not to do with meal timing, but carbs in general, is that people tend to think that if they're not eating frequently, that their blood sugar is going to crash and that they're going to like obviously cause some kind of insulin response or something like that. Um, but the truth is you are creating a little bit of insulin response, but that's what your body's designed to do. Like it's not a blood sugar crash. If you are going a long time without eating, your body is designed with mechanisms to obviously prevent your blood sugar from crashing. So you're going to have a minimal blood sugar effect. You might have a fasted blood glucose level at that point. Um, but your body's not going to necessarily quote unquote crash on you. It's, it's designed with parameters in mind or, you know, it's designed with, you know, protective mechanisms in mind to prevent that from ever happening. So don't get stressed out. Like if you miss a meal. Yeah. Once again, it goes back to how do you feel? You likely don't feel your best when you don't eat enough. So making sure that your meal frequency is allowing you to feel satisfied and not making you feel like crap and making you feel like you have low energy or making you feel shaky and things like that. So it's number four. All right. Closing up my five myths, which I said, I'm only doing five today, but there's a ton more that I can go down the rabbit hole of is it's actually two pieces of this one is post-workout protein, AKA post-workout nutrition is like, oh my God, if I'm not getting my protein shake within 30 minutes, I'm missing my anabolic window. I'm gonna lose all my gains, yada, yada, yada. Now, post-workout nutrition is important to some populations. So, and with everything in here, guys, everything is contextual to who you are as a person, as an athlete, and what your specific goals are and what your body responds best to, because there is no plan that works best for everybody. And I, I mean, I can once again, go on a tangent about like, well, sure. What do you eat today? Well, what I eat in a day, what I eat in a day doesn't matter because what do you eat today? Like if, what do you like to eat? You're not going to like to eat what I eat. So anyways, mm -hmm. let's go into this protein thing. So a lot of people, the, the mindset was if you're not getting protein post window, you're missing the opportunity to obviously re re replace um, protein. And obviously protein is made of amino or break is breaking down into amino acids, which is your muscles building blocks. So we're actually going to become catabolic and we're not going to actually be able to take advantage of that. And that is not the case. So first and foremost, once again, your body is pretty resilient. So if you miss your protein shake, you post-workout, your body's not going to wither away to nothing. What matters most is overall protein intake, because once again, it has to be digested first. It has to be broken down first. So if you're getting enough protein in, which by the way, they do say that protein is best taken in every few hours, just because it's easier to have a sudden, a, a cons consistent flow of amino acids being broken down. But it doesn't really matter for like fat loss or building muscle or anything like that. What taking in post-workout nutrition can do is help improve your recovery. And if you are doing multiple sessions a day, then taking in those post-workout nutrients are very, very essential to making sure that you're ready for that second session. Uh, because food has to be digested, that having a very quick assimilated, isolated whey protein uh, with carbs, by the way, is going to allow you to digest that a lot quicker and get it ready to go for your second session. So that is part of it is that you should be getting that in, but it's not necessary, nor are you wasting it if you didn't have it. Now, what I will say is this, is if you're going to work out and then you're not going to eat again for three or four hours, that might not be the best thing for you from a, obviously from a stress perspective, you're going to be, you know, causing your body to bring up some cortisol levels. You're going to be obviously feeling a little hungry, a little hangry, <laughs> And it might cause you to overeat later on. And also if you struggle with getting your protein in, it's just a great place to like stack a habit is after I work out, I have a protein shake, um, which for a lot of people can be an easy way to just access that protein mm -hmm. and not have to stress too much about it. Um, but the, at the end of the day, when it comes to protein around mealtime or about around workouts, 
it doesn't really matter as much as people think it does, unless you are a athlete training multiple times a day. Um, or if it's just an easy place for you to put your protein, but don't overthink that. Uh, however, on the second to that is making sure that you're getting carbs with that protein is going to be really, really important as well. So those were my five topics mm-hmm. that I wanted to kind of talk about. And like I said, I know that they're kind of, um, some of them kind of in, over overlap each other, but number one is you're not going to rev your metabolism by eating every couple hours. You're not going to slow your metabolism by skipping a meal. Number two is if you like to eat breakfast, eat breakfast. Oh, I didn't even mention breakfast. I should actually talk about that, but I'll, I guess I'll, I'll end on that. But I said, if you don't like to eat before bed, don't eat before bed. If you like to eat before bed, you're good. Just watching the amount of calories you're eating overall matters most. Uh, intermittent fasting, once again, not a magic pill for fat loss, but it can actually help you control caloric intake if you are trying to lose weight. Um, but be careful because it can also cause you to overeat if you're somebody that likes to eat a lot. Um, blood sugar crashes are kind of a fallacy. They're not going to happen. You might feel kind of crappy. You might actually get closer to a fasted blood glucose level, level, but you are not going to cause any significant damage by skipping a meal and letting your blood sugar quote unquote crash. And then number five being the whole protein myth around workouts. Uh, and as I mentioned, as I was closing this out, I, like, I forgot to talk about breakfast, because, but it, what, it kind of goes in with the nighttime eating is some people think that if they skip breakfast, that they're, you know, obviously going to like be slowing their metabolism down. I guess it goes into number one and number two, also not the case, but I will say this. Most people should wake up hungry, meaning that if you're not waking up hungry and you've been fasted all night, that's usually a sign that you're have a problem going on. And I would love to talk to you more about that. But anyways, I hope this episode was helpful for you guys out there. Just a quick little episode to talk about meal timing and structure, uh, around your or meal timing, not structure, but meal timing for you guys out there, because I know that it's something that there's a ton of information out there. Like I said, I could have went down the rabbit hole, a bunch of other different topics, but want to keep it simple on the ones that I get the most questions on. So if you got any value out of this episode, or if there's anything in particular you want to hear about, please let me know, shoot me a message, shoot me a DM, and I will talk to you all next week. <laughs>